Hello, everyone, and welcome to Pucks on the Dasher, a hockey podcast. I'm your host, Adam Glass. Solo show. Uh, Sean's working late. Tyler is into ball hockey stuff now, so I'm trying to get Tyler on one more time before the end of the season, uh, or, well, yeah, ideally by the end of the season, potentially after the first round of fantasy playoffs. We'll see, because it looks like we might be, well, we'll get to that, uh, but we do have, if you remember, or if you are a quote-unquote listening, well, long-time listener or been listening since the start of the season, uh, we did a potted pod prediction bingo, me and Tyler, as one of the earlier shows um, at this season, and I think we should go over that, because I kind of gave it a quick glance today, and most of it has already been decided, or at least looks to be locked up, so it'd be kind of nice to go back and look over that again and see if we actually got things right, uh, how many we got wrong, and potentially how wrong we were on said thing. Okay, uh, I've been watching anything interesting lately. Uh, new man, just as I mentioned last week, new season Mandalorian, continuing on the Clone Wars stuff. Uh, honestly, really enjoying Clone Wars. I think I'm getting close to finishing season one of that series. But like Sean said, it's just something you can kind of throw on. Don't have to put your full, full attention to it. Just grab the story beats. Uh, it is what it is. But overall, like, I'm, I've had more fun in whatever 15 episodes-ish I've watched of the first season of Clone Wars than I did in the entire three movies of the original prequels. So, I mean, if you really detested the original prequels like I did, one, two, and three, episodes one, two, and three, if you will, uh, then maybe check out Clone Wars and maybe you'll get some redemption out of it. Uh, and if you've watched Mandalorian, uh, and if you haven't, spoiler, I guess, for season two, I think? Ahsoka shows up in the Mandalorian. I kind of have no idea who she is because she hasn't really been in the movies. Uh, but she is all over the Clone Wars. Um, she is Anakin's Padawan. Uh, so that's kind of nice to finally get her backstory. And as Sean said, apparently this goes into the Bad Batch. And I noticed there's a few other Star Wars cartoons on there. Um, so I might check those out too once I get done with Clone Wars. But there's quite a bit of Clone Wars to get through. So who knows if I'll ever finish that. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll talk about fantasy hockey, even though in some ways I don't want to. Uh, Sean's not here, so we will start in my usual order with the big pool. Uh, just got absolutely shit-kicked, 8-1 um, to one last week. The only category I won was shots, but I lost goals. Love that. Just had 17 more shots than him, but... Four less goals, so that's always fun. He almost 50 points last week. That's that's going to be tough for me to be on any week, let alone a week where my team just is not great overall. Um, and when you shoot that many and don't get that many goals, that hurts too. I, th- I put up an okay week, like three wins. Not great peripherals, but so we tied in wins and shutouts because neither of us had one. But uh, not a great week for me to get pounded. Uh, mostly because of the fact that <clears throat> that dropped me down to eighth place in the big pool. Um, thankfully, at the trade deadline, I didn't trade too many high picks, and most of the high picks I traded were for <laughs> generally for uh, waiver dollars, so I'm okay with that factor. Um, but looking at the standings here, after that loss, I am 
five points up on ninth place uh, and ten points up on tenth. So I'm probably, well, the only one that is more than likely going to pass me would be ninth place. Uh, let's check matchups here. He's playing the second place team, and I am playing the third last team. So at least matchup wise, I'm doing okay. Uh, but my team has been on absolutely ice cold lately, so that's, I mean, it could come down to this. You never know. If he has a big win and I have a big loss, like, he could easily pass me. But either way, like, I'm more than likely going to sneak in as the 8th place team uh, because I am 5 points back of 7th, so that's going to be tough for me to leapfrog probably, I bet, in the last week. So we'll see how that goes. A little tougher matchup than last year, but I hmm, just inconsistent offense, I would say, this year. And Matthews obviously is not having the season he had last year. Um, I would say overall, almost all my keepers are probably having a worse season than last year, which is not ideal. And I was kind of hoping to replace a few of them this year, and that didn't happen either, so... Hey, we'll see. There's still some nice pieces in this keeper pool, so I'm all right. I can add. Okay, moving on to the points pool. Pulled off a slight two-and-change point victory over the team that was fighting me for a playoff spot, potentially. So that pretty much locks me in now 100% into the playoffs. I know on here... Uh, yeah, I am officially clinched. Uh, the only spot left to clinch is the last spot, um, but that would require a loss and a win type scenario. Uh, and first place overall is still potentially up for grabs, but that would also require a loss and win scenario. Uh, it is hypothetically but not likely possible for me to finish third place. More than likely, I will finish fourth or fifth place, uh, and since I have tiebreakers on everyone behind me, I'm more than likely going to be facing Tyler in the first round of the playoffs, and neither of us are excited about it. <laughs> uh, but I guess Tyler, trying to put a spin on it, uh, said that which one, whoever of us wins that matchup at least will get to play for third place, um, which I guess is true. So I guess we'll see. Um. Once again, like I was just riding it out in this pool because I didn't necessarily want to go all in. I didn't think I had the team, given how some, once again, my keepers were not performing or were hurt uh, in this pool. Uh, so I just wrote it out to see what would happen because Bedard, you would have to win out to get Bedard. So if I was going to lose and miss the playoffs, I didn't want to do it selling. So I basically should make the playoffs by one or two games. So I'm playing... The team that I'm playing this week has to beat me, potentially, to even have a chance to finish first overall, so <laughs> we'll see. I'm assuming I'm going to lose this week, uh, and Tyler is playing one of the bottom teams, so he will probably win, so he will end up technically having home ice advantage uh, in our first round matchup, not that that matters at all. Okay, moving on to the auction pool. Pulled off... Uh, 
big win that I desperately needed over the third place team. So a bit of an upset here. We ended up tying power play points on Sunday, which annoyed me because I was up 7-2 at one point. He also got a Sunday shutout. Uh, but I had insane goalie stats for the goalies I had. I had five wins, a 235 and a 917. And my goalies are as follows. Phoenix Copley, Karel Vezmelka, and Sergei Bobrovsky. So I think I I benched my goalies after Wednesday, I think. But I ended up playing Bob against Chicago on Friday. He did okay and pulled out the win. But they got to him early. Uh, I was kind of hoping for a shutout there, but whatever. 6-3. So that left me still in 10th place. However, I am only... I'm at 196 points, and 8th place is at 200 points. So I'm closer to making the playoffs here than I am missing in the big pool, which I guess is good. Uh, Both teams that I am chasing that are above me had huge losses last week. If I would have gained a couple more points than that, if he wouldn't have got that one, yeah, well, whatever. I don't have a shot at seventh. That's eight. I guess it's possible, but. So, who are we all playing this week? Well, I am playing the second to last team. So, once again, favorable matchup. Actually, is he actually the last team now? He is officially the last team. Uh, so, hopefully that goes well. Like, it's the matchup is favoring me. The one person I'm chasing in ninth is playing the first overall team, who's on an absolute heater. And the other guy in place is sixth place team, and then he's playing. So two of us have favorable matchups to potentially jump into a playoff spot. The problem here is the first tiebreaker, I believe, is category wins, and I am behind almost everyone here that I'm chasing. Uh, So I got to win big this week. So let's hope for the best, I guess. Uh, so who's doing well? Who's being shitty? What's happening on my fantasy teams this week? My pooper performer from my big pool team that got absolutely smoked is a guy I finally dropped, even though I drafted him originally. And I believe he was my last pick, or he was for sure in the last round of the draft. Uh, That's Kevin Hayes, who absolutely has fallen off completely since Torres decided he didn't like him. Um, was actually having a pretty decent points-wise season at the start of the year, almost a point-per-game player, putting up some hits. Plus-minus wasn't great, but I didn't care. He was getting some power play time, all that stuff. Just dried up to the point where I just had a crunch here on the roster. The playoffs are coming up soon if I make them. I only get two moves per week in the playoffs, which is not fun. Uh, So I I gotta dump guys now and do some roster tweaking potentially this week before that happens. So, Poo Poo Performer now dropped off my team, uh, Kevin Hayes, who we will be talking about later on in the episode. Super Duper Star for the week. I traded for him in one pool and picked him up on waivers in the other two, and he has been on an absolute heater like I kind of expected. Mr. Rasmus Sandin, one goal, four assists, plus five, one power play point, four shots on goal, and five hits. Probably my... One of the better fantasy defense right now. If you happen to snag him when he was on waivers or trade for him for almost nothing like I did, kudos to you. But you sh- if you didn't do this, you should have seen it coming. John Carlson is hurt. They needed somebody to run their power play. Orloff was gone. 
He's just going to gobble, gobble, gobble minutes. He played over 30 minutes, I think, already one game. As long as he stays healthy, he puts up hits. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, he was one of the top-hitting defensemen on the Leafs when he got to play. I'm not going over the whole why-did-they-trade-him thing. As soon as Morgan Riley signed that long-term deal, that was the writing on the wall for Rasmus Sandin. And essentially what they wanted to do is if they couldn't give him the upper minutes that he probably eventually needed, he was just going to get buried and chewed up. Well, he was going to chew up third-pairing minutes, but not increase his value at all. So better to get a first now than eventually like happened with Travis Sturman, where they basically had nothing for him, like a fourth or whatever it was, fifth? I don't even remember. It wasn't much. But I remember the same things that were said about Rasmus, or the same scenario, kind of. Now, I think Sandin's better than Dermot. I'm not going to say that that's, you know. I think Sandin's way better. He's first-round pick. Dermot was second. Not that that matters, but it kind of does. However, both were chewing up bottom-pairing minutes, and whenever they got moved up in the lineup, it didn't necessarily always work out. And he, Sandin is also an undersized defenseman. Not that that necessarily matters. But given the mix of what Toronto wanted going into the playoffs, especially with the ads they made already, it was better to get what they could, which was a first-round pick, which I still think he's going to end up moving. I will be very surprised if he drafts with that, but maybe he will. He hasn't had a first in a while, so... And he lost one of his first, more than likely, like Rodi and Amarov, unfortunately got cancer, and is still doing chemo and stuff, so, like, it, he needs to concentrate on just that right now i'm not even worried about him being a prospect anymore uh maybe he's going to use it to refill the cupboard i don't know but rasmus sandin could help and be one of the more valuable underrated fantasy defensemen going into the playoffs here um because washington still wants to win and they love offense and he's going to play on that power play and he loves to shoot and hit and he's got a chip on his shoulder i'm sure where is his value long term I mean, as long as Ovi is Ovi, he's going to have decent value for at least another year or two. Once Ovi is gone, like it's at that point, do they trade him? I don't know. Who knows? Anything that happens after Ovi is not Ovi anymore or after he breaks that record is I have no idea what's going to happen in Washington, but I'm sure their contract structures will basically, well, as we'll see going into actually the category we're about to talk to talk about right now no other fantasy news really uh one more week in all my pools until the playoffs so just to recap uh eighth place in big pool need a win more than likely or a really close loss to keep into a playoff spot there um but i'll probably be in eighth regardless points pool i'll more than likely be playing tyler in the first round either as the fourth or fifth seed in the auction pool, I need a big win and some help, and I could finally make the playoffs in that one. Okay. Signings. There's a bunch that, well, not, there's not that many on here, but there's some big ones because um, I skipped them last week, and I think I might have even skipped them the week before. Uh, last week, there was just way too many trades, fantasy or otherwise, to discuss, so it just wasn't, it was already a long enough podcast. We didn't need to do this too. Uh, I was hoping to get Tyler on at some point to go over some of these. Not that any of them necessarily affect his team or the Kings, but so let's catch up here. Okay, Jake Wallman, 
Well, 27-year-old Jake Wallman signed a three-year, $3.4 million contract with the Detroit Red Wings, notably came over from St. Louis in the Nicoletti deal, uh, and has seemingly settled in nicely beside Moritz Sider, which was huge for Detroit because when they tried to saddle him with Ben Sherratt, it did not work out. Though It hasn't worked out with him being saddled with anyone there in Detroit. Still, Of all the things that Eiserman has done, it's still weird that he made that signing. Uh, so, fine. This is fine. I mean, if this is going to be your number two and make Mort Sider who Mort Sider can be, and it's only a three-year deal, like 3.4, you can bury it if you have to. Yeah, that's fine. He's 27. This is completely fine. And a nice little raise for him. Uh, 32-year-old Nick Jensen signed a three-year, $4.05 million contract with the Washington Capitals. Fine. Completely three years? Perfect. Perfect. Four year, four million? Absolutely fine. That's, I feel like he probably could have got more on the open market, if I'm being honest. So, he obviously likes it there. Stick it, this is like, well, let's just check. Let's just check. I didn't have this. This is why it's impossible for me to have enough tabs open to cover everything I want to talk about. Uh, wow, Washington has their next three first round picks. That's interesting. Um, okay, let's check. How many years does Ovi have left? Three more years after this one. Boom. Three-year contract for Mr. Nick Jensen. So every the only player they have signed after longer than Ovi is they have Kumper for one year, and they have Dylan Strom for two more years. Well, the year of Ovi's UFA and then the year after. That's it. That's it. It is like, okay, and notable UFAs. So after next season, they'll have Tom Wilson and Anthony Manta. Uh, the year after that, they'll have Backstrom, Kuznetsov, and Oshi. Smith and Sherry are off the books. They'll be able to do some stuff, probably. They're going to lose. That's 4.6 between Smith and Sherry. I doubt they bring either of those guys back. I know they like Sherry, but I don't think it's worth... He was only one... Yeah, it's not. We'll see, but... Uh, you got a bunch of RFA defensemen that aren't going to cost you that much. You got your goalies locked up for another year. That's good. John Carlson, two more years, and then he's UFA at eight. Connor Brown is on LTIR, but he's UFA. Same with Carl Hagelin. You're retaining only money this year, so next year you're free. They currently have $7 million in cap space. They're going to add another... So they'll have $11 million. They could do some stuff. That'll be interesting. They're not going to want anybody on longer than like a three-year deal, probably. Give or take, two-year deal, ideally. Unless it's three years, including next year. Interesting. They can do some stuff. Huh. Okay, let's go back here. Fine signing, but obviously lines up with the OV free agency. Okay, here's a bigger one. 26-year-old Dylan Larkin signed an 8-year, $8.7 million contract. Uh, Fine. I don't know. I don't know what to to say about this one. That's, that's almost less than I thought. I think Bo Horvat set the bar for him. He got more than Horvat, not by a lot, but he did. Uh, I, fine. I don't know. He's only going to be 34 when it's over. He's, he's good. <laughs> they need somebody 
not super young there. He wants to be there. He's the yeah, whatever, fine. Okay, A plus. Next up, another big one. Another big important player too. Potentially heart trophy candidate. Uh, David Pat, 27 year old David Pasternak, eight years, 11.25, million, $90 million contract, eight years. He's 27. Fine. I don't, this is exactly what I kind of thought he would get. Was this 11 something? Um, I don't know. Good. He's really good. They, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. He's really good. It's 27. He's 27. This is going to be... My my interest in my head now will be, does Marner make more or less than that? I'm going to assume more. Um, but to me, that's, the, that's around his range now. That's kind of the new bar for that. And then the McKinnon bar is the Matthews bar. Uh, all right, 27-year-old Sammy Blay. One year, one million with St. Louis. Great. Awesome. Good for you. Seems to be doing fine there. Um, I mm, the Rangers. Do I have a way to segue into a Rangers chat? I don't think so. Let me finish this, and then I might talk about the Rangers for a bit. I might, because they've been been having some some troubles lately. <laughs> they were winning weirdly. Just not not a lot going on there. Um. Anyways, we're not doing it right now. Okay, twenty-seven-year-old Sammy Blay, but it's fine. Twenty-five-year-old Dante Fabro. For some reason, twenty-five. Why does he feel older than that? I don't know. I haven't paid attention to that team for one year. Two point five million. Perfect. Great. You can easily trade him on that deal next year if you want to. If you are not doing great, he's fine. 27-year-old Nicholas Abe Kubel signed a, that's one year, one point, fine. That was with Washington. Uh, 28-year-old Kevin Leikinen, one year, two million with Nashville, fine. Uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, 31-year-old, three years, three million with the Capitals. Once again, lining up with the OV free agency. He doesn't get paid very much. Three million is probably fine. They like him there. Why not? Good for him. I think this is probably one of the few times he's signed a multi-year deal, I bet. And he's 31, so he's earned it. Uh, 28-year-old Mark Jankowski. One year, 775000 with the Nashville Predators. Fine. This one seems weird. Why are you wasting a contract spot? But if you, the Predators at this point should kind of be only looking at guys that... They're either flipping at the deadline or taking a chance on. Um, Lankanen makes sense because they like the way he's fine there. You can maybe flip a backup too. Um, okay. Do you want to talk about the Rangers? I have nobody to answer that question, so that's pretty funny. They're not doing that well. Well, they're doing okay. Let me bring them up here because I obviously did not have. And how am I going to do it? There's like eight different ways I could bring them up. Uh, but let's try this way and see if it'll give me all the answers I want. So they lost to Pittsburgh, then they beat Buffalo, Montreal, lost to Boston and Ottawa, beat Philly, beat LA, lost Washington. 
Tarasenko doesn't have a point in his last three games since getting to the Rangers. He basically has like five points, but he had three in one game. Only two power play points. He had six shots on net and three hits the last game, but he only played 15 minutes. He's having an okay year, or he was having an okay year. He was hurt for a while. Uh, I need to actually, who I want to look up is, and I got to remember what team he's on now. Well, you could just click on the, type his name in. No, I don't want to. I want to make this as difficult for myself as possible. So Mr. Patrick Kane has three points in one, two, three points in five games. He is a minus two and he's shooting about three shots at three shots a game, give or take. He's also playing way more time than Tarasenko. Like way more. Like twenty minutes a night a lot of times. I mm, you should have picked one or the other. Well, okay, like looking back on it, the same like you never should have traded Busnevich. Um, you should have held held on to him, <laughs> signed him. He clicked like crazy there. He would have been flying for you. I don't know what you decided you needed more grit or something stupid like that, and then you go add Kane and Tank for your playoff run, like. Tank probably isn't going to hit as much. He's had a billion shoulder surgeries at this point. Like, he just wants to try and still shoot. I think you needed to pick one or the other, and you basically got handed Kane, so you had to take him because you just felt some sort of obligation. This is... I don't know, man. I don't know about the Rangers. Igor hasn't been, like, unreal this year. That's probably also a big reason why the guy that owns Igor in the big pool like is basically one of the worst teams in the year. Like Igor has 29 wins, good, but he's a 263 and a 910 with only one shot. He has one shot. Craig Anderson has one shutout this year. Craig Anderson has a better save percentage and, no, not goals and ganks, but better save percentage. Not good. He's the guy you need for sure. Fox is having a really good year. The kid line's been hot or cold. Heedle was having, went on a huge heater at one point. He could still be a different, like that kid line could still be a difference maker in the playoffs. I'm not counting them out or anything. I'm just saying the mix looks weird there and they can't quite figure it out. And Gallant is, has to figure out that weird thing about trying to find desperately a line that will gel together or two lines ideally because you can't just have one and the other one fighting it that's not going to help you either especially in the playoffs ideally you need well you, the kid line's the kid line that's not going anywhere so you're fine there but you need two top lines going or you have no shot your defense is fine your goaltending ideally is one of the better ones but you have no idea who's going to show up for the playoffs. So hopefully the good Igor, like if it's a nine ten Igor, you're probably not, it's probably not helping at all. Probably not helping. I would say I wouldn't want a nine ten Igor in the playoffs. I would want a nine thirty five Igor in the playoffs. That would be way more useful, but it is what it is. Jury's still pretty new there. It's not like he's on the hot seat if they lose, but 
They made an Eastern Conference final last year. They could potentially have a very tough first round matchup with the New Jersey Devils. Um, and both those teams, that will be a very fun matchup. Looking forward to the actual hockey playoffs shortly. Um, from a least perspective, it hasn't been very exciting because I've been known who they're going to play since, like, what, the first two months of the season. So that's just a matter of who has home ice, I guess. I don't even know who does at this point. Don't really even pay attention to the standings. But So good job, NHL, there. Uh, so what are we actually going to talk about on this episode? Well, I did have some news to catch up on. Uh, actually, only one major piece of news, and then the whole thing about potential expansion. We're not even going to get in that. That's dumb. I don't even want to talk about it until it's actually a thing. It's just a weird rumor. Um, would you believe that people like money, and that's given the money they got from Vegas and Seattle, they're like, well, we could add more teams, m- money more, and then eventually you try to get like a billion dollars for one of them or some shit. So the big news this week... Um, the Philadelphia Flyers shockingly <laughs> fired Chuck Fletcher. Um, I, I guess organizationally they would consider this season a disappointment. Um, I don't know how they expected it to be any better given the roster they had and the major injuries and everything else. Um, but I guess when you bring in Tortorelli, you're not expecting to lose. You're expecting to fight for a playoff spot at least. Didn't happen, not even close. They're fighting for Bedard. If anything, he's hurting them now by making them try so hard. Um, And if they actually do decide to build this team around the guys that he likes, that's a whole other ball of wax that I don't... But anyways, okay, we'll do the the quick hits here. Uh, Fletcher got canned. Interim GM is now Danny Briere. He did the big conference where he talked about how they're going to take their time and it might take a few years and this thing basically needs to be torn down. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Didn't say, want to say rebuild, I guess. And did did, did say that they're not going to tear it down at the point where it's a fire sale, which is just you making sure the owners aren't coming, trying to get players for nothing that you know actually have value. I mean, there are some guys that Torts are going to want back. And I think for next year, you just ask him more or less who he likes. And then for next year, you let him have his guys. Um, because now you're putting – you need to put the ball in his court because you need him out. You need him out of there. He's not going to help you right now. You need a young guy that can learn as a coach and also steward your team a bit. You need to do what Arizona did with Andre Torini. Like, I had no idea what to think of that hire down there, but I mean – that team's beating teams it shouldn't, or arguably it shouldn't more nights than it's not. They're playing really hard. They're in games. They come back. Like that is what you want here, but you also want them to at the end of the day be bad for a while. Um, ideally two or three years in a row, and then you make decent picks on top of that. The reason you don't say fire sales because you don't want to have to give guys away. What you essentially do is you try to move whatever contracts you can in the offseason that you can get actual value for and you're not giving away. Anyone that you can't get actual value for, you bring it into the season and then you just either wait for them to expire or wait for them to get good enough where you can trade them. Only do retention stuff, I would say, during the season, but you do you if you got to eat some of these guys. Um, I Okay, before we do this big, huge, long thing, actually, no, let's go through it and then we'll see the what can of worms Danny Breer has in front of him as the last thing 
Okay, so Fletcher was originally hired December 3rd, 2018, taking over for Ron Hextall, who didn't really have much success himself. Uh, and apparently the upper, upper echelons of Flyers management thought he was being too patient or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. So he was canned. Fletcher was brought in. Uh, Fletcher's only year of success was he made the playoffs his first season, which ended up being the bubble season. Uh, the Flyers won around, uh, and it was also the first year that Vigneault was the coach, which Fletcher obviously brought in after firing Dave Haxtall. Um, so obviously, because you made the playoffs and won around in a bubble season, you you do completely normal things, I'm sure. Yep, nothing weird would happen. Uh, no, not at all. Okay, so what I did is I went through every signing and trade that he made well with the Philadelphia Flyers, and we're not going to go through every single one. I just kind of cherry-picked ones that I thought were important to talk about, um, and I'm going to rate them as good, meh, or ugly. I was going to do good, bad, and ugly, but that's just too close. I wanted something kind of just neutral, if you will, so that's where the meh comes in. I'm going to do this chronologically, uh, signings and trades every year. There aren't a ton here. Um, but there are enough that we should definitely be talking about. And then I totaled it all up at the end, so we know his total good, man, and ugly moves. Uh, and then I'll do a quick recap on Cap Friendly of where the Flyers are right now, what Breer has got under, basically what Breer has to get out from under. And that'll be the podcast. So 2018, when he was hired, he only had a half season. Nothing... Basically, all of 2018, he didn't really do much of note, at least nothing that I wrote down. 2019, this is when he signed players coming out of RFA. He signed Konechny and Provorov. Provorov first, then Konechny. Provorov for six years at 6.75, and Konechny for six years at 5.5. Both are, this. I rated this in meh. Like, obviously, they've been trying to trade Provorov. If they can get some value for him right now, that's fine. Konechny is obviously one of the few players that Torts actually likes on that team. Um, I highly he's I highly doubt he's going to be around when they're good again. Six more years in 2019, so he's got three years left on that deal. He is probably going to be their most valuable trade chip either this year or next year. I would say next trade deadline is when I would probably dangle him if he's healthy and given her. Uh, you could get a nice return for him, especially with an extra year on his deal. And if you retain some of that money to make them half, that'd be, and you'd be able to, they have, we'll check their cap space, but we'll see. I bet you they have some, they have some big money coming off. So those were his two major signings for 2019 rated them both. Meh. Uh, here are some trades he did. I traded Wayne Simmons to Nashville and he got a fourth round pick and Ryan Hartman. I rated that good. That's a good trade. You got an aging power forward that um, you know doesn't have much value left, and you got a fourth and Ryan Hartman, who is an effective now top six forward kind of utility winger center. You're gonna you're thinking to yourself, yeah, but Adam, he's on the wall. Yeah, we'll get to that. He also traded a fifth round pick to the Jets and got Kevin Hayes back. Perfect. That's a hell of a trade. Kevin Hayes was like a first line center for them to start the year. He's been decent since he's 
if anything, he's broken out since he got to Philadelphia. So he's also a guy that they signed that they might be able to get some value for in a trade. So that's good. That's two good trades. Third trade. Traded Radko Goose to the Capitals and got back Matt Niskanen. Hell of a deal. Hell of a deal. That's good. Good trade. Actually gave them a defenseman. These three trades, well, two of them, Hayes and Niskanen, were two of the major moves that helped them be as good as they were in that bubble season. Because uh, Niskanen settled the whole defense down. And then, unfortunately, for the Philadelphia Flyers, walked away from hockey after that bubble season, I think? Or was it the year after? I can't remember. Uh, and here's the last trade that I want to talk about. Uh, they traded Hartman to Dallas for Tyler Pitlick. <laughs> so that one I rated ugly. <laughs> Giving up on him that soon. You figure looking at what Hartman is as a player now, that's exactly what Philly would want to have. But I'm not sure what happened there, why they gave up on him so soon. Maybe the coach didn't like him. Who knows? Vigneault, I feel like, probably picks favorites. But overall... His first few moves, like good trades and some mad contracts, but I understand why he did them. 2021, this would be post-bubble success, okay? This is this is where you start getting into trouble. Uh, signed Scott Lawton to a five-year, $3 million contract. No, that's ugly. This is... Okay, they came up... See, the worst thing that happened to them was they had success in that bubble. They didn't... They should have... Yeah tough tough i'll see if they'll if they can trade this guy build up his value enough and trade him eat some money on that deal before 2026 oh god yeah that's ugly okay sean couturier eight years 7.75 million if he comes back i'm putting this in meh i can't read it ugly because at the time you didn't necessarily know he was never going to play again, or at least not since then. If he comes back next season and he puts up like 60-ish points, it's all over their ice first line center, this is fine. This is fine. But eight more years of this, like if you eventually just get to LTIR it, I guess that's okay. It's going to end up in Arizona or whoever's doing that shit at the time. But it's meh for now. Joel Farabee, six years, $5 million per season, $30 million contract. This is ugly. You paid this guy based on potential. Like he had, he had like forty. His high career was like a forty-point season. He had like one twenty-goal season, and you gave him five million a season. Oh, this is what happens when you have a little taste of success. You think that oh, this guy team's gonna take another step when maybe that was the step. Like maybe that was it. Instead of thinking it's only gonna get better, maybe that was the better. You know, maybe that was maybe that was just everything broke right for you. You're like. Carter Hart, I think, went like 9.30 or something in the playoffs that year. So that's going to help you. Uh, so doubling down didn't really work out. That's ugly. You hope that they can bring him up and get some value for that. But trading him for $5 million right now, I can't see anybody going after that. His, his value is tanked even more under Tortorella right now. So that could be tough. Uh, These were signings. Farabee was in September. These were all before the year. Well, Lawton was at the end of the season in April, but no, that was season before, right after the bubble gong show. Then Couturier was in August, Farabee was in September, but in July of 2021, Chuck Fletcher tried to reshape this team and take them to the next level. <laughs> he made... Four awful trades. 
in the span of a week. July 17th to 24th, 2021, Ryan Ellis from the Nashville Predators, and he traded away Nolan Patrick and Philippe Myers. Ellis has barely played for the Flyers. He's pretty much been hurt almost the whole time he's here. I don't even know if he's coming back. I don't know what the whole story is on him. I didn't look into that part. He's still got a couple of years left on his deal. He's getting paid a ton. Nolan Patrick obviously hasn't gone anywhere. He ended up going to Vegas. That was a three-team trade. Um, more or less concussions that essentially, whoops, essentially knocked out Patrick there. So that's just unfortunate. Former second overall pick. Philippe Myers obviously has gone everywhere that can actually make defensemen better, and nobody's wanted him. Tampa but notably traded him recently. I think the Leafs had him somewhere at one point. Uh, the Nashville Predators obviously had him here. Nothing. So this a trade they shouldn't have made, and they they got the best player in the deal. I mean, if that if that works, I guess. But I'm still calling it a meh trade. This is the meh to ugly, but I'm officially grading it as a meh. Then he traded a second and a seventh and goes to Arizona for nothing. This was just to dump the contract, and he had to give them a second and a seventh. Gross. And Ghost notably, has obviously went to Arizona. They built him up easily because he's good. And now they flip him to Carolina where he's better. So this was a complete waste of... This was a failure of everybody there to not find value in this guy. And then he doubled down by spending a first and a second. Now he's traded two seconds here. This is first and a second to Buffalo for freaking Rasmus Ristolainen, which I completely embased it as a trade at the time. It is now an ugly, it was ugly trade then, it's an ugly trade now. Lastly, he traded Voracek for Atkinson, saved some cap space, which he just blew on shitty players anyways. I'm putting this as a meh. Atkinson's been fine in Philly, but he's been hurt a lot. Voracek notably uh, is basically in Arizona on a contract dump because he will no longer be playing again. Three uglies or two mez and two uglies that completely quote unquote reshaped the Flyers roster for the worst, one could argue, or as shown in example. And now we have 2022 doubling down on his, as Downgo Brown calls it, a shiny new toy. Rasmus just aligned in five years, $5.1 million to be shitty. Ugly, 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 obviously. Nick Delorier, four years, $1.75 million contract, and I believe a no-trade clause. Ugly, I also wrote why. This is just insane. Travis Sanheim, eight years, $6.25 million. You should have traded him at the team. Where you were as a team in 2022, you knew all of these guys should have been traded. Uh, I don't... You're going to be stuck with him now. Like You can't trade him now. It's too long and too much. I would be very shocked if they could move him. So, I'm going to call it a meh, but if you get stuck with it, it's ugly. Like, he's decent, but I don't know if you needed him. Last good thing he did for this organization. There's a Giroux trade. Given what the big names went for this offseason, Timo Meyer, etc. Giroux to Florida for Owen Tippett, a first and a third. That's actually not bad. That's actually not bad. It's an, It's a top 10 protected. First from Florida, I don't think it'll hit that, so it won't be an unprotected for next year. But still, you're going to get probably a 15th overall pick. Owen Tippett, who apparently Tortorella loves and has had a decent season there, so any 
useful player out of it. Like you flip him later or maybe you keep him around for a while and then flip him. Who knows? Give him a bridge contract and then deal him at his peak. That's what I would do. Uh, and Drew obviously didn't stay in Florida and now he's in Ottawa. So, I mean, ideal for you. Last up, uh, second, third, and a fourth to the Carolina Hurricanes for to- Tony D'Angelo. This was dumb. Why would you do the second, a third, and a fourth? This guy has traded in the last two years. He traded three seconds, and he got back cap space, Ristolainen, and Tony D'Angelo, and still had to give up more to get that. Perfect. Great. So how does that work out? Total of the Chuck Fletcher on the Adam Gomez ugly scale. Four goods, four mess, and nine uglies. And there are two mez that could be potentially uglies, so that could potentially bring it up to 11 uglies and four goods. Two of those goods being, or three of those goods being back-to-back trades in 2019 that he ended up blowing one of them right away. So I don't even know if that, I think one of those almost cancels out. So basically, yeah, I understand why he was fired. He never should have been hired in the first place. Um, So let's just do a check here to see what kind of mess Mr. Breer has himself into contract-wise. Kevin Hayes has three more years at $7.1 million. Given how Torts is playing him and how his, that's you just ruined any chance of you should have sold him earlier in the season if you could. He has a modified no trade. Let's see what Cap Friendly tells me what it is. Uh, 12 teams, so still 20 teams you can trade him to, and that's good. They're going to gain $7 million in cap space because JVR is going to be a free agent. He's only 33. He'll sign a. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs like a $1 million contract somewhere just to keep playing. Like he's a useful bottom six player still. I could see him having like a bounce back like 25 goal a year next year on some team's second power play unit or whatever. Joel Farabee has one, two, three, four. Well, we'll count next year. Five more years at five million. I He's 23. You, oh, I don't know what you do there. You got to get something out of this kid as far as, like, what's he? I feel like he's having a terrible season, right? Well, where did that open to? Yeah, Joel Farabee has 27 points in 66 games. He has a career high of 20 goals and 38 points in 55 games in 2021, notably the bubble season. Or the year before, 1920? Uh, 1920. Bubble season at 21-52. Yeah, not... Not great for $5 million. Probably going to be hard to move that. You have Scott Lawton, two more years. Well, th- okay, we're doing next year counts. Three more years at $3 million. I feel like you can move that deal. You might have to play in the next year, but then you could probably move him. Somebody else, that's a, potentially like a Tampa guy. Not Ford, but like that mold. Owen Tippett's got one more year at 1.5. That's a hell of a deal. You're just stuck with Delorier because I highly doubt you're getting rid of him. Brendan Levine is UFA. Kiefer Bellis, who you don't like, is an RFA. You could know Noah Cates for us. They have a bunch of RFAs. 
one more year of pro, two more years of pro, we're off at 6.75. You might actually be able to move that. Rasmus, you're going to be stuck with. D'Angelo's got one more year at five. I doubt you can move him. Sandheim, you're going to be stuck with. Braun's gone for a million. One more year of Carter Hart, who might want to get traded. He could probably bring in some value. You got Couturier on injured reserve. You got Atkinson, two more years at 5.8. I believe he's coming back. Konechny at will be 5.5. You can move both of those guys, I would think, maybe. Ellis is LTIR. He has four more years at 6.25. Good fucking luck. Uh, last year, next year, they have a $600,000 cap hit for Oscar Lindblom when they bought him out. They currently have $3 million in cap space. <laughs> They're going to gain JVR 7. But that means that they I would not sign anyone, and then I would use that $7 million so I could actually put Ryan Ellis on my roster and gain cap space next year for the deadline. But who knows? I would take offers on anyone if I'm Danny Briere, and if I can get value for somebody, I'd do it, and then just figure it out later. That's what I am doing. He said all the right things. Whether he actually gets to do those things, I guess we'll find out. So good luck to you, Mr. Danny Briere. And I think that is going to be the podcast for this week. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.